Welcome to The One Guys Show, where we're going to be bringing you nutritional and mindset insights to help you gain nutritional freedom, lose weight faster, build a winner's mindset, all without the stress, guesswork, and sacrifice that you're used to. Now, this podcast specializes in helping women break free from the dieting shackles that society has placed them in and provides them with a clear path to success. So let's dive in. So, quick question for you, Ryan. What is one thing that coronavirus has taught you or lockdown has taught you? Oh, well. Um, I was having a good think about this on my walk this morning. Yeah, you've thrown, me, thrown a curveball at the beginning of the podcast here before we've even started. Um, lockdown has taught me to two main things, I think. Be grateful for what you have. Never take anything for granted. Um, I think that's one of my mottos is like always be grateful, but you take things for granted. It's just life. It happens. But I think very much so now people have realized like, don't do it. And also protect your mental health at all costs. Lockdown, I think has been a lot harder on a lot of us than perhaps maybe we thought. Um, so yeah, always do things to like, give yourself some Zen time, some Zen. Zen time. I might find a a mountain and just start (laughs) meditating like monks up there. Um, what about you? What's one oh, thing deep lockdown? Start. Yeah, I mean, sorry, team, if you were here for nutrition tips, we're about to get uh, deep into life philosophy right now. What's one thing that's that you've learned? Well, like I said, I was I was thinking about this on the walk this morning, and it probably is like I was thinking how crazy it is like how adaptive we've been as a human race throughout this yeah. whole lockdown, like. From the point of like, obviously, children in schools and stuff like online learning, mm-hmm. only because we've had a few clients, haven't we? That have all, we actually we've got quite a f- quite a few clients that are teachers, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. they were all saying like they're pretty much just chucked in the deep end, like an emergency meeting, Mate. and then away they yeah away they went to and had every, to just build this course. Yeah, to every mum that's listening to this that's had to homeschool, hats off to you. You deserve a medal. Like I did teaching for a year, and it is stressful. Let alone in your own home. When you're trying to get them to like do Zoom, you're trying to help them with their homework. If a kid come to me with a math question, Hayden, I'm not going to lie. I'd literally just, I'd be like, I'd, I'd make it up. They're not going to know if I'm lying or not. I'd just pretend I knew the answer, even if I didn't. Is that bad parenting? Oh, no. no. <laughs> it's <laughs> utilizing what you have. <laughs> I, yeah, like you said, like hats off, like. I I think about now, and I was speaking to <laughs> I was speaking to one of my mates a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he's got he's got kids, mm. and I was saying, imagine imagine having to do a lesson when you're not year six via Zoom, like Con- it would have been carnage, yeah. absolute carnage. There's no way I'm sitting on that seat learning. Nah, man. Like a couple of the a couple of our clients who are mums have said, like all they hear all day is just like, "Mom, can I have some snacks? Snacks, mom." <laughs> <laughs> you end up going from mum homeschooling to like a waitress sending snacks up to your, your son or daughter's bedroom. But uh, yeah, we are adapting. I don't, I, I don't know if uh, that would be um, absolutely uh, like a thing, a thing that would have sent me over the edge as a kid. Like, I'm thinking <laughs> about it now. 
especially being at home, sitting down, um, like I said in the first episode, you know, I was a fairly active kid, but in the lockdown scenario, food absolutely everywhere. Mm. I think I'd probably eat a loaf of bread a day. Yeah, like no, no offence. You'd have been, you'd have been, you'd have, you'd have been snacking. I mean that in the yes. nicest way. <laughs> like <laughs> your poor mum would have been up and down those stairs, kid, giving snacks. Here's a funny oh, one for everyone listening. The- when I was in year five. I used to have six pieces of peanut butter on toast for breakfast every day before I went to school. Six. Think about the calories in that. Roughly what? 70 calories in a, a, a slice of bread times that by six. That's 430. Is it? I think. Plus the peanut butter. But I used to also put margarine, then but peanut butter on. Shoot me now. <laughs> <laughs> That's some serious calories there. Anyway. Yeah. Um but yeah, what what I was going back to was just like how adaptive we've been. Mm. I was I was I was thinking about it and I was like, I was quite quite impressed really that um and also I was thinking from like like myself as well. Obviously you and I like we've been lucky enough to just always I think I've I think I've up until recently I've never had to pay for a gym membership in my life because I've always worked in gyms yeah. and stuff like that. So I've always had like a set routine, like a set training schedule. And for the first of my life, I've had to do some kind of home workouts, which obviously to start off with was incredibly tough, but actually being able to adapt and find a training schedule that I could enjoy, um, yeah, was, wasn't, wasn't too bad at all. So I was thinking it from loads of different standpoints, from like my own personal training, like mm. nutrition, then I was looking at like external and stuff. Like I was think, like I said about mums like having to homeschool kids and stuff like super adaptive and mm. see what you can chuck at chuck at us and we'll uh we'll take it yeah man no, that's good i think i think yeah you know there's there's positives and negatives like like everything you know it's rough comes with the rough comes with the smoothest i think the saying goes that's the right saying um <clears throat> and we have we've just learned to you know adapt and do the best we can in the situation that we've kind of been faced with um so yeah so, um, anyway, enough of the old coronavirus chat. Yeah, let's talk women, I, nutrition. Yeah, so today's, today's podcast is all about um, the female fat loss optimization. we like to call it. Mm-mm-mm. Now, what, we, what we're going to be doing is kind of taking a little bit of a deeper dive into uh, female physiology and especially like training and diet around that. Now... <laughs> This is something that we've always tried to film really quickly in either a 60 second video on Instagram <laughs> or uh, Facebook, or I've uh, had to try and condense it down to under three minutes mm-hmm. on Facebook, whereas we are now fortunate enough to have this platform where obviously we can talk about it much more in depth. And, you know, we, we speak to our clients obviously an awful lot about this and it's, it's incredibly mm-hmm. powerful for them. Get yourself comfy. But it actually does yeah, <laughs> sit down, sit down. <laughs> Because if you don't, you'll fall down. <laughs> uh, um, but what what I'm going to do now quickly is just give a brief overview, and then Ryan, what about if we just dive into each section That's through it, and we'll t- yeah we'll talk about the the nutrition and training through each phase. Yeah, so terrific. Essentially, like you females have four different physiologies throughout the month, and at each physiology that you have. Like your hormones are very, very different, which obviously, well, what kind of happens there is basically 
the way you approach nutrition and training throughout those physio- physiologies need to be slightly different because of the hormonal changes that are going on. Now, you're probably sitting here and you can think, yeah, actually, do you know what? I can always find like through a certain point in the month, my hunger goes through the roof or I'm super lethargic or um, maybe maybe your actual energy levels aren't uh, quite as high as you'd want them to be. So what I'm going to do is just start off, start off with the basics, give an overview, and then we'll go through each one. So when you start menstruation, you've obviously got the first five days. Now, actually, before I say this, and I've got to say this, each individual lady is going to have very different experiences. Yeah. So you cannot sit here and be like, oh, no, these guys don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> like, it's not right. Like every, every single female is unique. Yeah. Like they are going to be unique. Some are going to experience things we're talking about. Others can absolutely yeah. cruise it. Like I've worked with clients before that have no issues throughout the whole cycle and they can just continue a deficit and I think- throughout the whole month. It will be very, very normal. Yeah. I've had others that it's not the case. but. Essentially, you've got your um, uh, three phases. I think that's so you've the got most... your follicular phase. Oh. Now, that follicular phase starts when. Sorry. Are you going to say something? Oh. <laughs> I was like, are you waiting for me? Um, no, I was only going to say, and no. that's the most important thing. So, there's three different phases that you've got. So the three different phases, you have the follicular phase. Now, the follicular phase is pretty much when the menstruation starts. Now, of course, over the first five days, you may still experience some hunger. But after that, that's when your estrogen is on the rise and your progesterone is at its lowest point. Then you've got ovulation, which is day 14, which is the midpoint. Now, for guys that are listening, may I mean, if there is any guys listening... But this <laughs> is where the female is most fertile. Take note. Mm-hmm. And then and we go great into oh, go the... I was just going to say, and then we go into the luteal phase. So the luteal phase is where pretty much times get tough. That's where progesterone is now on the rise. Estrogen is dropping down. That's where your cravings are higher. You're more susceptible to injury. Your sleep often... Um, becomes worse. And this is basically the phase where, you know, you're in PMS and it's the hardest place to diet. But what we are going to do now is I've given you just a brief overview there of kind of what's going on. Now, we're actually just going to break down each phase. So first of all, you have the follicular phase. So Ryan, if you want to talk about a bit more about nutrition and training through that follicular phase, Mm-hmm. and how you can kind of optimize that because by the way like ladies knowing this information like i said can be the absolute difference between you having a successful diet and you not and you actually enjoying your whole dieting experience yeah that's it as well isn't it i think it's it's massively um it's massively un- like everyone knows that's why we talk about it it's massively underrated like with regards to like how these phases work and how it is so much better. So the first phase is obviously the follicular phase. So these first two weeks obviously consist of your menses, which is, you know, five to seven days. Again, everything that we are saying is, is averages. Every woman will experience these in different severities, not at all. Obviously with regards to, you know, cravings, upregulation and meta- metabolic rate later on, like all of these things you have to remember. 
are individualistic and you will experience them on different levels, basically. So the first two weeks is known as the follicular cycle. So in a much more kind of like suitable physiological state to lose, lose weight, really, um, you know, everything's a lot more stable. Your hunger is stable. Your appetite, therefore, is much more stable. Your blood sugar is stable. You handle carbohydrates um, a lot better. You're not you're more so kind of like insulin resistant, which means you don't handle as carbs as well towards the later phase. So you can train, obviously, and with your nutrition is a great place to start. You know, you're not going to see the typical, you know, you're going to find that you experience hunger when you're dieting because it's just a normal hormonal experience. Ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone, will go up. Um, so what you find is that you're not going to have as high a hunger in those first and period. What you've also got to be really, just as a kind of like um, a side note here as well, is that some women have PMS before obviously their actual menses. Sometimes that can carry on into their first week of their period. So sometimes some of the cramps, some of the uncomfortableness, some of the lack of it, that can come into the first week. Not always, but you can find that if that does overlap, then you might find, well, you know, some people are, you know, when I'm on my period, I feel awful. And it's like sometimes that will drag on over. Yeah. You'll also find, obviously, your although your your weight will be typically at its highest because you have a water rebound effect, so your water weight will go up. So obviously, where women find that when they just about to start their period, their body weight goes up, and it's simply a water rebound effect where certain hormones start to go down, and therefore your body responds and it upregulates, obviously, the water retention, as it were. But what you got to remember is this is water weight. Everyone will notice, like towards the end of your initial week of your period, your menses, that will drop off. You know, all of you probably notice like a whoosh, we call it the whoosh effect. Like, where did even that come from? The whoosh effect. I I don't know. I, I mean it's like a common thing in the nutrition world, the whoosh effect. Yeah. It's I, I first heard it a couple of years ago. Um but yeah, no idea what its origin is. Yeah. Yeah. Um and you're also less likely to like fat storage is at its lowest as well. Um, so you're not as likely to store body fat at these kind of periods because of the way that everything is set up hormonally for you. Now, what you've got to realize is as you go through this, you've obviously got the early luteal phase, which is the mentors, which is the kind of like bleeding throughout this first part. And then obviously, as we said, water usually drops around that latter point in that first week. And then you're going on to the later follicular, which then obviously comes to ovulation phase, which is around day 14. Again, these are average days. Do not say, Ryan, I come on day 15 for ovulation. What the hell is this? It is just <laughs> averages. So starting to do diet and nutrition is great in this, um, in this phase because everything is kind of supporting you. Hunger is something we battle with. Hunger's low. You're going to have a drop in water weight. So it's going to help your motivation. I think from a psychological point, it's going to help as well um, moving into it. You're also therefore going to be able to train and recovery. So your actual kind of like cognitive function, your balance and your recovery, because you can handle, uh, you know, you're more insulin sensitive, so you can handle carbohydrates better. Your performance in the gym and everything like that will be a lot better. You know, I know some people have their clients train in relation to their cycle. If they have like quite um, obvious effects from their menstrual cycle, they will kind of like cycle their training around that, have slightly harder cycle uh, training cycle through the first two weeks. And then it kind of uh, tapers down towards the second two weeks because the main uh, hormone that is dominant through your follicular phase is estrogen. 
and estrogen actually helps with regards to actually your training recovery as well. Now, I know it's a famous quote that Hayden always says, it's like estrogen is always seen as the bad guy, but actually not really the case. There's quite a lot of positive um, impacts from uh, estrogen as well, basically, moving forward. Now, what you've got to think is that if like, you know, your coordination, your recovery, your energy, your hunger, your mood, and everything is much better, then that's just going to support you through your initial dieting start. You know, there'd be nothing worse than starting your diet in the late, in the late, late luteal phase when everything's kind of working against you. Like your biggest factor here is what Hayden, what is the number one most important factor when it comes to your diet? Adherence. Adherence. So if all of these things are working towards you, look at that, it's like team duo here. If everything's working <laughs> so towards you, sync. everything's going to kind of like find that it's just going to be much more supportive of you. You know, you're not going to have all of these um, issues that Hayden's about to explain into the uh, second part of your cycle as well. Now, you're also towards the end of the follicular phase as it were, coming into ovulation, you actually have a spike in testosterone. So a lot of women will find that they're actually much more stronger. They can train a little bit more harder. You might want to go for like PBs and your lifts towards that day 14. And you'll probably think, well, how do I know? Well, there are some typical symptoms, um, which you women listening to this will probably know these typical symptoms that you see. One great one is to know that your temperature goes up. So you can often, I know women that are looking to ovulate when they're most fertile, they will have, like you can take your temperature, know that you are into that ovulation phase. Um, as well, which is obviously going to be important first and foremost. So as we're going obviously through the follicular, um, everything's kind of in, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just in your favor, basically. Start your nutrition. Estrogen is more dominant. Progesterone is pretty much, you know, it's, it's lower, isn't it? It's pretty much more stable. Estrogen, the one that goes up, down. And then obviously it kind of is like the flip effect. You know, estrogen is a, is, you know, kind of like pretty stable, whereas progesterone is the one that takes the more predominant um, limelight, as it were, when it comes into the luteal phase um, per se as well. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything So there, Hayden, to that about kind of like... No, no, you, nutrition. no you, you, you completely covered all the main parts of it. And it's if you, if you look at it from like a bird's eye view, this this really is the phase, like this follicular phase is the phase that you want to be starting, like you want to be dieting. That's where you want to be starting mm. your diet. Mm. Because as you come past the ovulation and you move into the luteal phase, like if you yeah, if you attempt to try and start dieting in the um luteal phase, like you're potentially setting yourself up for failure from mm. the off because you've got everything going against you. So let's just kind of go into that a little bit. So you've had the ovulation, you've had that midpoint, and this, after this phase, is kind of when uh, shiz gets real for you ladies. <laughs> this is where, you know, your cravings are at its highest. This is where you're more susceptible from, to injury, so you probably don't want to be doing a huge amount of impact. Your yeah. actual sleep gets um, slightly affected now. And again, we know one of the knock-on effects that if your sleep is impaired, that um, basically it affects two main hormones, which are called your leptin and ghrelin, which Ryan alluded to earlier. So leptin being your satiety hormone, ghrelin being your hunger hormone, when your sleep is impaired, your satiety hormones, essentially the easiest way to explain it is pretty much like get switched off and your hunger hormone gets heightened. So again, you are now more hungry. So 
as we're moving into that luteal phase, like I said at the beginning, like this is probably not where you want to be starting to diet because there is going to be a lack of adherence here. So if you're really trying to push towards the lower end of your calorie deficit, but you're getting mad cravings, well, again, it's going to be so much harder for you to actually stick to your plan. And then on top of that as well, if typically uh, this is for another podcast, but as soon as someone thinks they're starting a fat loss phase, the first thing they think about is like, right, what exercise do I need to do? Where obviously you're looking at that all wrong from the start. But even if you are looking at it from the start, then you're looking to incorporate exercise. Again, like you could be setting yourself up to failure because number one, you don't have, um, uh, let's just say, motivation and willpower potentially through this phase because you could be um, affected from an energy, uh, energy um, standpoint. So, you know, you don't actually want to go out and do these exercise stuff. And then on top of that, again, because you potentially are more susceptible to injury, if you go and just try and pound a, a load of impacts, um, it can actually set you back further. So in the luteal phase, like your progesterone is coming up to its highest point and your estrogen is at the lowest point. Now, there is a slight saving grace through this phase, ladies. And this is that you're actually primed for fat burning during the um, luteal phase. And the reason being is because you get a slight increase in temperature. Now, that increase in temperature, actually, <laughs> nah. typically you burn an additional 100, 300 more calories during this phase. So this, this isn't me giving you the green light saying that you can now go eat whatever you want during the luteal phase. But yeah, but... You know, you want to maybe thinking, okay, actually, well, I know I burn potentially uh, an additional 100, 300 more calories. I know that this is the toughest time for me dieting. So from a nutrition standpoint, it's not a bad idea to either up (laughs) your calories to a maintenance phase or even just a little bit shy of a maintenance phase, but up the higher ends of the calories. Because again, like Ryan said, um, well, like I said, the uh, one of the main factors for um, people being successful with their with their fat loss endeavors is the adherence. So, do you not potentially think now again when you start to take a massive step back and you think, okay, well, I know the follicular phase is the best dieting phase for me. So, if I my my hunger's at my lowest at that point, you know, I've got more energy to start training. If I diet. In that two weeks there, and then as I come into the luteal phase, I up my calories to maintenance. Do you not think that you're potentially going to have a much, much better time dieting whilst you're going through this? Well, of course you are. So this is... And I think it's worth to note at this point, like this is where the inter-different, inter-individual difference happens because... For the most part, you're going to want to do what Hayden has said. Like you're going to want to probably give yourself more calories, whether that's bring it all the way up to maintenance or close. But if you don't notice that your luteal phase hits you as hard, you do also have the option to enjoy a faster rate of fat loss. But do not sacrifice and try and like suck it up and be like, yeah, but they said that I could burn more fat during this period because I've had this on a TikTok before. People are like, well, does that mean that I could just like get more fat loss in that? If you can still adhere to it, yes. But if life is going to suck and everything's going to go peak tong, then Think about the longevity. Yeah. 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 You're so right. So 
now now you know this phase of uh, the luteal is isn't going to be the most ideal time to start dieting. Like Ryan said, it's going to be it's going to be very individual to you, but you've potentially got a map here now where you can start to again look, um, take a step back and have a look and be like, right, well, if I diet for two weeks and I go up to maintenance for two weeks, can I still get results? Absolutely, you can. Like again, if that leads mm. to greater adherence, even if you're in a calorie deficit for a week over a month, let's say you have a week of the whole month that you're in a deficit and you have three weeks at maintenance, you will still lose body fat as like a grand total over that whole month because you were still in a deficit at some yeah. point. Like we need to stop trying to chase um, our goals as quick as possible and think about more longevity here. Now, if you're listening mm-hmm. to this and you're thinking, actually, do you know what? Like PMS like hits me really, really hard. Like I am crippled up in bed. Like my hunger goes through the roof. I typically um, have... Um, not necessarily like binge eating, but dis- disordered eating episodes during this phase. Again, giving yourself more calories during this phase just makes logical sense. And by the way, yeah. maintenance means you maintain. You do not gain weight and you do not lose weight. You maintain your weight. Now, it's really, really important at this moment to um, talk about the scale weight because during this luteal phase, do not freak out because you will see the scale weight increase you will see measurements increase. Like you will even, you might even find like you feel more watery in like your pictures or even in your own, like um, in your own body. I've physically noticed like clients' photos around that time of the You can see they're visibly carrying much more water. Like obviously because we see people, you know, we see our clients' photos every single week. You start to get a bit more in tune with their physiques, but like you will notice it. And it's really interesting. I think it's such a valid point that you just brought there is like, notice it like be aware start to be your own coach like looking at yourself looking at your physique being like oh yeah because it's all good looking at the scale number i think and being like nope it's all right hayden said you know the scale weight will just go up like trying to like talk yourself out of it but actually like be aware like be aware with your measurement be aware with like how you look in the mirror you can actually kind of like keep ticking the boxes and just reassuring yourself that like this is okay yeah so what do you um now you've got this awareness um that's happening especially from like the um scale weight standpoint in this luteal phase it's probably a good transition for us to start talking about actually how you track your progress over like the whole of the physiology because again this is something that we see people do so so wrong and hopefully some people are going to get like uh like an aha moment here so Often what happens, now I did a whole um, lecture on this inside the academy yesterday about scale weight. Now, to us, logically it makes sense, right? If we jump on the scales, the weight increases, we have gained weight, which means we've gained body fat. This is our thought process because, again, logically it makes sense. If you weigh more, you've gained weight. And if you lose weight... Mm. You've lost weight or you lost body fat, but it isn't the case. Like there's literally so many different reasons to why your body weight will fluctuate from day to day. So that's a f- if the scales, I was going to say, if the scales go down, it's actually only 87% lipids. It means out of the number that you've gone down, if you lose a kilo, only 0.87 of that is actually body fat. The rest of it is other substances. I've just ruined I was going to say, day. you've literally just... 
ruined everyone's day and now everyone is unsubscribing and (laughs) but we're about to tell you how to overcome this yeah so because you cannot measure your progress especially from the scale weight and even your pictures measurement from um, daily or weekly there has to be another way so Mm. sit down because I don't want you to fall over how you want to be tracking your progress is every single month. Now, you will track or you should be tracking week one of month one against week one of month two. So you should be tracking week one of month one's um, weigh and average across the week, measurements and pictures against week one of month two, weigh and average, measurements and pictures. And then you compare week two of month one against week two of month two. You compare week three Mm -hmm. of month one against week three of month two, and so on and so on. And that is the only way that you can compare your results to get realistic um, understanding to what your progress is doing. Because anything else around that, your physiologies are different. And that's why I said at the beginning, you essentially have four different physiologies throughout the month. So you can't compare your um, physiology one and two or physiology one and three, or physiology one and four, or even two and four, whatever way you package it up, you can't compare it. You have to compare physiology one of month one against physiology um, one of month two. You have to be going down that road. That, oh, that's a mouth. That's a tongue twister. Yeah, I, man, I, to be honest. <laughs> month one of month seven. <laughs> I'm so surprised that I held that together. Like the amount of times that I've tried yeah. to explain this to women, I've just been like, I've just been shouting months at so, them. <laughs> And that's it. It's like, so what you want to do is you want to, you know, and every ask, like, oh, I weigh myself like once a week. And I'm like, that's too, there's too many fluctuations. Like if you're going to use the scales, use them. If you don't have a good relationship with the scales, don't you? Mm. If you're going to use them, weigh yourself daily, take weekly averages. Exactly like Hayden said, you compare week one of your cycle average to week one of your next cycle average because the hormonal profiles and everything are the same. So you're then therefore giving much more chance for it to be consistent. Yeah. So... Now we've, what I just want to do quickly is, is, is give it an overview of what we've gone through here. So, you know, you've got your first 14 days, which is when the menstruation happens. That is mm-hmm. called the follicular phase. You then have day 14, roughly, which is the ovulation. Then you have the final two weeks, which is the luteal phase. And that's the toughest time dieting. So you should be looking to diet, really. You want to be dieting in the follicular phase where your adherence is going to be greater, your craving is going to be lower, you're going to have more energy and you're going to work hard on your training mm-hmm. sessions. Then as you move into the luteal phase, that's probably when you want to be tapering things off slightly. It doesn't mean that you need to, that this is me giving you a hall pass to just go and eat whatever you want and be like, don't do anything. I'm just saying, like, start to get in tune with yourself about what your hunger is doing, what your craving is doing. If you find yourself mm-hmm. ravenous all the time, like maybe it's a good idea to give yourself a couple hundred calories or go up to maintenance during that mm-hmm. phase. Yeah. Recovery. That is what you want to be doing. I th- yeah. And I think that, that that's a good point to note as well is like your increase in metabolic rate can be between one and 300 calories. You're never going to know exactly how much you burn. You know, you're not going to know if you're 100 and Sandra from number 42 down the road burns 300. <laughs> you've got to, <laughs> you've got to collect data and then make logical decisions. Mm. I think quite often we make emotional decisions. If you are hungry and you're like, well, I'm just going to have a load more calories and there's no structure to it. Well, the likelihood of you over consuming is probably going to be high. If you put structure to it, it puts you in the driver's seat. 
You know, you're then able to have control. You've got control over it. You know that then, okay, cool. Look, if I can have up to 300, I'm just going to work in that bracket and auto-regulate it as the days go on. Some days you might find that you want 300. Some days you're like, oh, 100 will do me today. Because what you've got to realize is most of you will be way more bigger deficits than 300 anyway. So even if you did go up to 300 per day, you will still not even be at your maintenance. And I think this is where people get confused. Yeah. Is that they think like, even if I eat 100 calories over my deficit, I'm, I'm going to put on body fat. It's not. Most of you out there are in at least five to 600 calories under what you need per day. Um, so just remember, by increasing your calories by even 300, if you're super hungry, isn't going to take away anything from your fat loss results. You will just maybe potentially lose less. But what you've got to remember is, it is it's not a race, it's a journey. You are in this to lose weight. You are just trying to complete the lap you have. You, you, know, you might have two laps, three laps, four laps, five. However much weight you've got to lose, you might have more laps to complete. There's no medal for the winner. This isn't a race. You're not trying to race. You're just trying to complete the laps that you need to complete. So whether that is that you only diet in the follicular phase, you diet for two weeks, and then you come up to maintenance for two weeks, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we have clients who literally do that. They only diet for three weeks of the month, and then one week they literally go up to maintenance because they ha don't handle their hormonal changes is like superly... Um, they're reactive to that. You know, they are quite strong, those hormonal changes. We have other clients who don't need to do that. They can just slowly chip away for the whole four weeks. So you've always got to take into consideration yourself. Um, one of the... Um, back to Matt. Well, one of the, one of the biggest questions we often get asked here is, is females asking, okay, so what if I'm on birth control pills? What happens then? So the first thing that you, you've got to understand again is it's very individualistic here. Like there, no two women are going to get exactly the same experiences there. I have worked with some women that are on birth control pills, whether it be um, a combo, progesterone only, and their experiences have been very, very, very different. Like we actually, yeah. one of our clients um, said on the coaching call yesterday, that she's just had the um, coil put in and her hunger has just disappeared. Like, it's completely gone. Like, not hungry at all. Whereas, literally two weeks ago, I had exactly the same conversation with her lady about the coil, the same coil, and her hunger went through the roof. So, it's very, very different. So, we can't sit here and say, like, this is exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be very individualistic for you. But essentially, depending again what hormone you're getting, like if you're getting the combo, you're, you're getting those spikes up and down. And if you're obviously listening to this on Apple um, or Spotify, you can't see what my hand's doing here. So I just realized this is completely pointless. <laughs> <laughs> you just get small spikes. So essentially, yeah. like all things are okay. Like you potentially will not get these massive cravings, these massive crashes. Like, you were just going to be very, very consistent. Again, maybe not the case. Maybe that, not might, mm. that might not happen. Yeah. And I think one of the things you got to remember as well is like cravings are massive. One of the things as to why you don't do is because you can't adhere to it. You restrict yourself and then you binge and you overconsume. That commonly, if you probably look back at when that's happened, you can probably be pretty certain that when you've had those overconsumption episodes, 
they have been in your luteal phase where you've just restricted and then eventually you've got to that. So not only are you fighting just normal hunger, you're also fighting an increase in hunger due to your hormonal profile changes at that period. You can probably start to do that. And what you've also is a point of note as well. So you have a drop in serotonin and dopamine at the end of the luteal phase, which is why you crave highly palatable, high fat, high sugar foods, because you have a drop in the hormones that make you feel good. So therefore, not only do you have just the normal hunger cravings, you crave specifically those high calorie foods, i.e. chocolate. Now, I know once I read, this isn't fact, but like our bodies may be potentially quite smart because it knows that we've got a drop in serotonin and dopamine. It wants these high palatable foods and a lot of you crave chocolate. Well, actually having chocolate at this part of your cycle, you're going to love me for this now. This is kind of like making up <laughs> for the fact that I said that- um, They've already tuned out, That mate. you only lose 87%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that actually having some chocolate is quite beneficial in the late luteal phase because it has magnesium, which can help with PMS symptoms. It can help alleviate some of the distress and cramps that you get. But also it has tryptophan in. Tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin. So if you can have chocolate, you can not only- offset your cravings so you won't feel restricted. You could help your PMS symptoms, but you can also make yourself feel better and help with eating, consuming tryptophan, which is going to be a precursor to serotonin and make you feel good. So there are some kind of like physiological reasons as to why you want chocolate. Is it specifically chocolate that your body knows that it's got magnesium and tryptophan in? Maybe not, but there are some benefits to have it. So all you women out there, when you're in your late luteal, Get your boyfriend, your husband, your sister, your brother, your mother, whoever it is. Tell them dairy milk is back on the menu. Ro or Galaxy. So Galaxy. Ryan has just given you a practical reason now to walk out the room with obviously uh, your headphones in still <laughs> listening to us and go to the supermarket <laughs> and buy some chocolate. But on all seriousness, like obviously, again, like it's it's not a um, it's not a, a cue to just be able to like go and eat as much chocolate as you like. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a pass. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you throw that in. You're like, oh, just, just to reiterate, man, this Ryan didn't say you could eat as much chocolate as you can because it's productive. Um, calories still count, whether it's got magnesium or tryptophan in, calories <laughs> still matter. There's, there's so many, um, there's so many disclaimers that I feel like we need to just keep throwing out here. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot sue um, us. Be kind but yeah, it. where did we get to? What we were saying about, um, oh, that was it. So it's going to be very, um, very different between each woman of, of their experiences through, the, through mm -hmm. the birth control pills. So it's really hard for us to say. Now, then the other question we typically get is what about the menopause? Like what happens then? Um, how does that change? And now I just want to say, like, the best thing that you can do is become your own scientist. And what I mean by that is track your data throughout the month and look for trends. Like you may find trends that are typically happening throughout the month and you can actually pinpoint exactly what's going on and um, mm -hmm. relate it back. Um, there's something that just did pop into my head then um, as well. What we were talking about the um, cycle as well is assuming all things normal. That's like a 28-day cycle. If you have PCOS or mm -hmm. any other medical conditions, it can be a little bit longer. But you could be looking like 32, 42 days, whatever it may be. Again, like what we were just talking about there is typically um, assuming all things normal with the cycle. Um, so going into the menopause, like how does that then look? Well, 
first of all, you are having massive hormonal fluxes, which again, throws a massive spanner in the works for you because your cravings, your mood swings, like um, your quality of sleep, everything is just getting thrown all over the place. So again, it's never going to be consistent. Like there's going to be so many different factors that go on, but again, just become your own best scientist and start logging as much data as you can. I think there's some amazing apps out there, isn't there? Like you can actually use to track exactly what is happening. Um, yeah. And what is going on. We should build one. <laughs> um, yeah. And this is, this is a massively key point that Hayden's bringing up as well, is that like, that's why now after everything we've said, how silly does it seem if all you do is weigh yourself once a week and that's your only progress marker? How are you meant to know anything Man. else that's going on? It doesn't give you anything. It's like judging how well a house is built by just looking at the color of the windows. Like That doesn't tell you about the quality of the house. You don't know anything. You've got to get inside. You've got to look around. You've got to do some tests. You've got to get feedback. Like with everything in life, what gets measured gets managed. You need to... If you just got a drink bought you... Mm. I need to get like a waiter on demand here. Um, so yeah, you need to take data. And that's why we say weekly averages, tracking things like your step to make sure your steps are up. But things such as like your energy, your hunger, um, and your stress levels. Because when you start to notice trends, you can then make actual data-driven decisions as to what you want to do. Rather than being like, Moscow way went up, uh, I'm going to drop some more calories. Or I'm going to eat some less bread it's like there's there's no data behind it you know the fl- reasons that they fluctuate which then puts you in the driver's seat that's why we say you know we're all about making sure that you are your own scientist you are in control of everything you are you know making the the decisions with regards to what's happening with your nutrition because i think that's a massive important thing is also giving you ownership because then you feel in control. There's nothing worse doing something if it's out of your control. You know, we've all had it, whether you've recently had my bathroom done, I have builders in doing that. And you're like, there's nothing worse when you're like, oh, come on, like they must better work a little bit faster. And it's out of your control. And I'm like, come on, lads, like you ain't done much today. Let's, let's, get, let's get a shuffle on. But it's out of my control, so I can't do anything. And it's frustrating. Whereas imagine if I was directing them and I was kind of like writing things down, and I would able to get them to do a better job. And it's the same with yourselves. Think about everything that's going on, get the feedback, and then make decisions from the feedback, not just the scale. Yeah. So one of um, our clients inside the coaching call yesterday, she just just to um, put it in perspective for you, she said like the app it's been an absolute like life-changing experience for her to be able to assess data and use data over emotion. Because again, we've all been there. Like a month is a long time to compare your results. However, you know you're going to have so many emotional responses throughout that month to the scale weight, to the measurements, to how you physically feel. However, once you complete that month and then you can actively take a step back and look at all the data and be like, oh, wow, no, there is huge changes going on here. Like it's Mm. one of those things that is like, that's just... We always say you can't rely on motivation to get to your goal, but it is that extra extra push of motivation you need to keep you continuing. So this is why we're yeah. so passionate about this topic, because if we can give you tools to be able to have a better dieting experience, you are going to finally get off that emotional dieting roller coaster. You are going to break um, out of those dieting shackles and actually 
have a clear path to long-term success. And that is our goal. Like that's what we want to achieve. And yeah, I think it's, it's so crucial to note that like most of the reasons as to why you struggle isn't helped by the lack of your lack of understanding of your physiology. You know, you're like, oh, I always get cravings and then I eventually give in and overconsume. Well, now you know that like you don't need to be in a calorie deficit in the last two weeks, or you can make the calorie deficit smaller to help with those cravings. You now know the reasons as to why the scales fluctuate, why you have this water rebound effect, which then makes the scales jump up in weight and you've got to wait till the end of your period, that first week of your menses, as it were, for it to drop off. Ah. Oh. Because how many times have you stepped on the scales and you've literally wanted to frisbee them out the window in absolute dismay because you've tried so hard all week and the scales have suddenly gone up. And it's like so many of these things are holding you back. They're these limiting things in your weight loss journey that if you just had a bit of understanding and which now you guys listen to it do, you're able now to take that forward and make practical decisions and data-driven decisions with regards to the results that you're getting. You're now going to see those scales go up and you're like, oh, hold on. That's actually just water. It's going to drop off when I finish um, my period anyway. So I'm just going to hold the path rather than being like, right, quick, let's hash 500 calories and I'm going to just like accelerate this super fold. So it's like now you have the relevant education and understanding to actually be in control. And I think that's what it is. You know, it's frustrating when you're not in control of something. Now you're in control. You can just take it and, you know, just, just the world is your oyster. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that's a great. I think that's a great ending remark. What's the uh, that the just reminded me of? Oh, was it like GMTV or something? That lady went on, and I've just seen all of like the fitness guys just uh, giving her a little bit of stick about. Oh, uh, what I feel sorry if somebody's women because I'm like, oh, you just don't understand, do you? Like some of the stuff they say, I'm like, geez, no, ladies. but it's like this. This this influencer was basically telling people that they need to chill out a little bit. Well, she was deeming her work essential, being an influencer in Dubai or something like that. And it was like, your, your work isn't essential. Like, I think there's a, there's a bigger thing than no. being an influencer right now. There's a, there's, I don't know if you've seen the news. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, some people are just in their own little bubble, aren't they? I think get wrapped up in their own little bubbles. And their own little bubbles of the world. Um, so... Hopefully, well, like this is this has been really insightful for you, and you've you know you've at least taken one or two points away from here. Like I said, even if it's um, a bit of understanding, a bit more how you can manage your nutrition and training around the cycle, or even if it's a bit mm -hmm. about actually knowing how to track your data better, um, any of those pieces of information can, can literally be the difference yeah. between you being successful and you not being successful through your diet. So. I'm 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 glad we did this episode. Like it's it's yeah, one man. that we yeah we really wanted to wanted to do. And like I said, we've only ever really been able to do it over like three minutes max on a video, um, unless you're obviously inside the academy. So we've been able to put it on a platform now where um, you you can hear a little bit more. About Everyone it. can listen. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, look, it's another episode, and I want to leave you with a quote. And the quote today is, don't let your menstrual cramp your style. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, over and out. Oh.